big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And welcome to the first part of a two-part podcast on food and feelings. And this part is for us as adults, which is going to be very interesting. And we thought we'd do two parts because if we're supporting our children's relationship with food, it's going to be really helpful to be looking at our own, as we always talk about, always attending to ourselves first so that we can um, yeah, see what is there that might need listening to so that mm. we can help our kids. Yeah, and, you know, we, we put a call out actually on our social media channels to say, do you have any questions around food and our relationships to food? And we got a lot of responses. So this, I think, is, is something that a lot of people want to know about. But before we do that, Marion, how are you? Let's check in. How's your, well, it's been a week and a bit. What's anything exciting happened for you? My mum had her 90th birthday. That was exciting. I really enjoyed that. Her house, her little granny flat looks like a florist at the moment still. (laughs) That was so yummy. I really loved hanging out with her. We hang out with her a lot anyway. Um, Yeah, that was exciting. I finally finished my, um, I've remade my Love Being a Mother course, which was my very first course I made seven years ago is when I first started online courses. And that's been a mammoth journey. I thought, oh, I'll just just edit it a bit. I'll just revise it a bit. And then 75 million hours later, I finished it. I'm impressed. I told you I'm impressed. I'm too scared to go back and look at my earlier work because I'll be like, oh, that's not okay. And that's not okay. I'm like, this is why we grow and progress and expand, you know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's exciting. Well, um, still in lockdown, but apparently we're getting out of lockdown. So anyone who's been listening to this will know we've here in Melbourne have been in lockdown forever. Um, Like Groundhog Day, isn't it? It's, it'll be a real surprise when you don't when you don't say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of feelings that go with that. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole other topic. Um, but good. I have been super challenged this week on letting go, watching my beautiful two adult children are, are getting ready to prepare to move out of home, and that's oh exciting and brings a lot of feelings and I know you know most of our listeners are people who've got little kids so you probably can't even conceive of like oh god I just want them to be able to put their own seatbelt on or just want to go to the toilet on my own uh it's a whole other just letting go and surrender as you beautiful big children are ready to fly the nest and you know my kids have gone overseas and they've done stuff before but there's something really final about they're moving out of home and setting up their own lives and it's wonderful and it's exciting. And it also it means we've only just got, we're going to have one child at home. And I just turned to my husband and went, oh, I think we're going to need another dog. <laughs> like, let's get a puppy. Let's get something. Cause I'm like, um, so anyway, we'll say anyway, but that's, that's what's alive in my week at the moment. So just navigating that. It's really great to know as a parent, even as your kids get older, it's still brings up lots of beautiful edges for you and so yeah I've been leaning into those things but yeah it's it's good it's good Mm. all right let's dive into talking about food for some people like I know that food for them is like one of the greatest loves of their lives like I have a few friends who are such foodies right who just they think about what they're going to eat they get so you know, they plan it. There's so much love and passion in food. And it is, um, it's something that they, they go, I, th- I think about it all the time when I'm at work, I dream about what I'm going to eat. And I'm like, what? That's amazing. That, that isn't necessarily where food sits with me. For me, I grew up in a family and it's quite interesting. I think, you know, what our, I often talk about imprints or what our, you know, what we were shown growing up. And I grew up in a pretty standard Australian family where food was definitely not our love language, right? We had the same meal kind of on Wednesday nights as we did on Friday nights. And there wasn't, I would say, a lot of love put into the food that was made. Food was just a very, well, you just need to to fuel your body. So it wasn't, um, there was no rituals around it. There was no um, great love or passion put into it. It was just something. So 
I then married a Hungarian man and being Eastern European, everything is about food and it's all about flavors and rituals. And he grew up having a three-course meal every night of his life, right? They would wait for his dad to go home from work and they would, you know, so I then married into his family and I think he learned early on, oh, yes, you're not going to be like my mum and cook food and do all that stuff. So, uh, you know, for me, food has been, oh, it's something you got to do to kind of fuel your body. And um, it's never been a huge passion or love of mine. And then being a mum for 21 years and just making food that everybody will eat, which is nutritious and wholesome, felt like, oh, my God, when I when I cracked a meal that everybody liked, I was like, yes, this is like a triumph, right? Um, but food has never been a huge thing in for me, um, in the sense of, you know, it just doesn't have a charge. There's other things where my energy goes if stuff feels big in my world. So it it isn't one of my, I guess, sweet spots. Like as a huge control pattern or anything like that. Um, and it also I've had to learn to, um. I think put a lot more love into my food. My husband, whenever I'm cooking, he's like, remember the love, Lael, put the love in because <laughs> he gets it tastes better with the love. And I'm like, I ain't got time for love. I've got three kids. <laughs> like I need to get food on the table in 15 minutes. And um, we have a running joke. Like he's a great cook, but he takes like three hours to make a meal. I can knock something out in 20 minutes flat, right? I am like efficient, great. I could feed 20 people really, really quickly. Whereas he's going to like cut up everything perfectly and put it in bowls and listen to music as he's doing it. He's like, it's all about the love. And I'm like, no, I ain't got time for love. So we sit in two very different places, which our kids love to joke about often. And um and he's actually taught me a lot about appreciating food and and the love and and the beautiful the beautiful um, elements that food can bring when people are brought together and eating and sharing meals and putting a lot of love and stuff into it. So I've learned a lot thanks to my beautiful husband. But that's where I kind of sit with food. I would be happy. I've said this all the time. I would be happy just drinking a cup of tea. Vegemite toast, which I know if you're not Australian, you're like, that sounds disgusting, but it's what you grow up with. I would be happy eating Vegemite toast and drinking tea for most meals. Like I, I don't, I, I don't really crave for stuff. I would eat very, very simply if I didn't have a family I had to feed. So food's definitely not such a huge thing for me. Many other things are, but um, for me, that's kind of been my relationship to food. What about you, Marion? Tell me all about what's, where's it been for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say probably a little bit similar growing up. That wasn't really a big thing, but also yeah, not a not a also not lots of love. I remember watching uh, what was it called? Uh, chocolate or light water for chocolate? Which one was it? Maybe oh, both of them. Great. Light water for chocolate. I think maybe in the nineties. And my oh my god, and that, I think that was the first time I was like oh lot, you know that like the quality of your presence when you're making meals. But what I do remember, I did also used to have with food like in my teens and early 20s I kind of quite a distorted relationship with food food and feelings were very tied up for me I didn't know I couldn't differentiate hunger and tiredness that took a lot Um, I started therapy when I was 21 I started training as a therapist when I was 24 and actually without really focusing a lot on food because I was doing lots of crying and lots of expressing feelings that really shifted away and what I did find right from that time is then I've done things really differently with food like right from back then I um haven't really done like three meals a day and you eat at set times I've always kind of really listened to myself ever since then I've I go through phases oh big thunder <laughs> uh, um I've gone through phases of like I like to eat a particular thing a lot and then my body's like, oh, I've had enough of that. And I eat, at, I don't eat at set times. So I really have listened to my body a lot. And um, I'm remembering when um, my kids were little and uh, I was still with their dad. And we used to go out to this particular cafe and we'd always have chocolate mousse cake first before the savory. <laughs> and then as we'll be talking about in the next podcast, we did really, um, like the self-directed approach with them and that really fitted for me that was that's already how I've done not done been in relationship with food for quite a long time however 
uh, chocolate has always been a big control pattern of mine. That's been one of my main control patterns until about four and a half months ago. And I'm not going to tell you my whole life story, but um, I was having all these symptoms and I really changed my whole food really radically. And I went on a um, heavy metal detox and from similar to you where I've always been a bit like food, you know, I could live on smoothies. You could, you could eat Vegemite and toast and tea. I could live on smoothies, but suddenly from changing my whole diet, I was, I was in love with food and like in love with vegetables and greens. And I was having these massive green salads and green, just like obsessive. And I was like, Oh, now I understand what this whole thing about like, Oh, food is amazing. It's been like, um, yeah. So that's me. I think food's wonderful. And I don't know if I'll ever eat chocolate again. I think for me, chocolate is, it's a bit like alcohol and alcoholics. It's like, I, I don't, I, I often can't just, you know, have a little bit have of chocolate. a little pee. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I it, can just have one tiny square. Like yeah. I can just have one square and go, oh, yeah, that was great. And then I can leave it. Yeah. I have friends who are like, oh no if you have one you have the whole block exactly. and I'm like oh no I can't yeah. do that no like this is so interesting yeah. our relationship to it exactly mm. and my kids because especially my daughter we did the whole as we're going to talk about next week the the self-led approach and my kids have both got it's a running joke like easter eggs from years ago in the fridge where I'm like I buy it I buy my local love my organic chocolate and it's you know it's gone that day or the next day so um but also I do want to say I really resonate with you after I think once Lionel was about three so that's about 16 years ago I was like I am so overcooking so for years and also being a single mama I only cooked things that really had like three ingredients was the maximum for me if, if it could be two ingredients it. again recently that has changed but for many years I was just like I that just needs to be simple for me because I've got so many other things to be doing so yeah I'm, I'm enjoying refinding the love of a bit more variety now it's beautiful it's beautiful and one of the questions that we had came in was um you know can food be treated as celebratory or happy and fun, nostalgic, or that kind of stuff, which um, I absolutely believe it can. So my in-laws are Hungarian and they cook some Hungarian dishes that are really simple foods, but it's because my kids grew up having that and my husband as well, they love it. And so sometimes if my mother-in-law will drop over a goulash or she'll drop over some food, you know, everyone's like, oh, yes, and they love it and it's a beautiful celebratory thing because it's something that nannies made and it reminds them of their childhood. And, I mean, I don't think there's no offence to my mum, there's anything that she made when I was a kid that I'd be like, yes, let's eat that again because it was always not so fabulous. So, again, I think it depends what you grow up with. But I actually think it can. It's a beautiful thing, you know, and we... um. Uh, you know, even when we have birthdays or celebrations or catch up with our family, you know, my my kids do really love a beautiful spread of food and they celebrate it and it's not overindulged and it's, you know, but it's just, oh, how wonderful we're getting. It's more about the people and we're getting together and there's a vehicle that we're using to do that. And there is a lot of joy with it without it having to be the main thing or without it being obsessed around it. And I absolutely do believe we can have a healthy balance with it. I really do see that. And, you know, one of the things we wanted to talk about, particularly firstly around the parent is our relationship to food, perhaps what we're modeling to our children, the charge we might have around it for me, you know, the food. And we'll talk about this with the kids as well. You know, it can be a control pattern. It also can be a way of controlling kids not wanting to eat and then wanting to eat a lot. You know, this, there's many, many things that go with our relationship to food. And so I always love to start with, well, where do we sit as adults? What's our relationship? What do we watch growing up in our family? What was, what was shown to us about food? You know, I have some friends who grew up in a family where they were not allowed to leave the table until they finished everything on their plate, right? And so, you know, that then as they grew into adults was I have to eat even when I'm not hungry or because it's in front of me, I have to finish everything. That's what they learned. That's what they were shown. So, and again, we can see this a lot with messages we may have got from our parents, whether don't eat too much, you'll get fat or, you know, don't have another one of those. Like this is a lot of, I think, unconscious imprints that we can take on board when we're children due to our parents' relationship to food and how they feel about it. 
And I'd say that's probably the main way that it gets passed down. I actually wanted to go back to what you were saying, that question. I'd love to read it out, actually. It's, mm. um, interested to hear your thoughts on whether food can be treated as celebratory, happy, fun, nostalgic without that uh, view or treatment being seen as dysfunctional. I tend to think that as like the, it's almost like the essence of aware parenting, that almost anything can be done uh, with uh, presence, with connection to actually be, to, to provide more of that, more connection with ourselves, more pleasure, more connection with others, or we can use that very same thing to suppress feelings. We can, you know, it can be a control pattern. So food can be something we do to absolutely suppress feelings, to, to dissociate, to distract ourselves, and it can be used to help us really really deeply connect with ourselves our body our, the pleasure that we feel our needs and with our community with our family and I think that's the amazing thing about almost anything from an aware parenting perspective it's not so often not the thing itself but it's our relationship with the thing and and I think we'll probably be talking about this is the fact that if we're using food as a control pattern, even in that moment, there's always the opportunity to put in that antidote, you know, the antidote to suppression is connection. It's always available in there. So I wanted to add that a little bit. I wanted to add something I wanted to say about, you know, um, you're saying about birthdays. I love creating platters, food platters for birthdays. You like those? I love those. That's my, just my best. I'd eat, I'd eat platters every day of the week. <laughs> I love it. It's a beautiful way to eat. There's choice and there's color exactly. and there's something about that. that and sweet and savory. It's almost like the epitome again of trusting and having that for everybody. So everyone can go, oh, you know, I'd like four of the bananas and like some dates and like some crackers and I like some of that cheese and, you know, whatever it is. That's like the epitome of the yeah. like hunter gatherer in the, in the, land of milk and honey isn't yeah. it yeah and I think that's an interesting point you know if as children we weren't given choice around what we could eat if we were just told we have to eat something that again can set up some interesting stories for us around our relationship to food and one of the things we'll definitely talk about next week is giving our children choice and autonomy around what they eat and when they eat and and to how we can trust that. And, you know, that's a big question that came up with a lot of um, what people wrote around how do we trust them to know when it's enough or when they're trying to use it as a control pattern. And I just want to clarify too, if people are listening to this and they haven't heard our other podcasts, when we say control pattern, what we're meaning is something that we do to suppress our feelings. So, you know, if you're really upset because you had a bad day at work and you want to come home and eat the whole tub of ice cream or you, you know, you want to drink all the wine or anything that we do to on some level numb ourselves out so we don't necessarily have to feel. That's what we mean by control pattern. And we've got other podcasts on this that you can go and listen to if you want to to learn more about it. Um, okay, should we dive into some more of these questions, Marion, so we can answer them yes, specifically? Let's do that. Do you want to um, Okay, so there's one here that says, I'm wondering how I keep up the habit of emotional eating whilst in lockdown homeschooling, whilst also trying to role model healthy eating for my child. She started smelling chocolate on my breath and there's only so many times I can sneak a piece of chocolate in the bathroom. Uh, I feel for you. <laughs> I really hate this. Oh, I just want to firstly say, look, having to navigate lockdown and uh, schooling our children, all the trickiness that has come through this period in time is really, really big. And I want to send a lot of empathy to however you're feeling. I mean, part of me is like, you know, what is we're getting through lockdown and, you know, I have been here in Melbourne. I don't know how many days we've done it for, but it's the most anywhere in the world. I got to a point where it's like, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do to get through this. So sometimes if that's what we have to do, that's what we have to do because we're living in circumstances that are very, very challenging and it's our way on some level of protecting ourselves. It's, And we often talk about that with control patterns. It's not bad. It is just our way of going, hey, how do I keep myself safe here or how do I navigate what I'm feeling so I don't blow out or I don't end up screaming at my kids or I don't, you know, get too upset. I'm, I'm trying to just protect myself. So I, I mean, what I would say to this lovely mum is that it's got to be a balance, right, between how do I navigate what we're getting through at the moment. And, I mean, my other suggestion is that is it's okay to own that's what I'm doing right now because that's what I feel like I need to do to, to get through this time. Hmm. Absolutely. 
yeah, I think I think when people often start knowing about aware parenting and realizing about control patterns, they can often get really judgmental about about control patterns, including food as a control pattern and judgmental of themselves. And I know I went through that process. And the paradox is if we're judging ourselves or judging our kids, that's going to mean where we've got even more pain. So we're going to have even less presence. So I always like to think of um, a control pattern, whether it's food or whatever it is, is it's basically showing us that we don't in that moment have enough either internal capacity to be lovingly present with what we're feeling or external loving support to listen to us. So really that's all it tells us in that moment is that, that that's the invitation. Oh, do I actually, do I have enough capacity to be with this feeling? Could I phone a friend? And if not, you know, that's what we need to do. I mean, basically we, we come in built with this capacity to, to feel and to release feelings and to heal through expression of feelings. And we also come with, it's almost like the matching, the matching thing that goes with that is, is the capacity to suppress the feeling. So it's actually really amazing to be able to, to do that. And exactly as you said, if we can have compassion with ourselves, that's, mm. that means we're actually going to be more likely to have capacity to listen to the feelings. If we say, oh my gosh, I really, I so hear. You know, one of the suggestions I used to say to people is if you have that desire, like to go to the fridge, to go to the chocolate bar, whatever it is, mm. is even just lovingly saying, just even for one one moment as, as you're making the way to the fridge, ah, I'm imagining I've got some feelings here right now, or, you know, I'm imagining I'm upset or I can feel I'm stressed hand on the heart just just even a little bit more presence is going to mean the likelihood of needing less to do that mm -hmm. and also like I experienced with the therapy you know there are two ways that we can go in we can just generally get more loving support have more listening have an empathy buddy see an aware parenting instructor or therapist a counselor basically the more we have uh, feelings listened to the less need we have to suppress them or we can go in with actually meeting every time we are feeding ourselves to suppress feelings with oh okay could could I could I feel this here or is there absolutely no way is it just like oh, I really need to go would you say going in the going into the bathroom I remember that when my kids were little I'd I just pop to the fridge every now and again to get a bit of chocolate sometimes when I was really stressed it's just so much love and compassion isn't it mm. these control patterns mm. we, we've developed them because when we were growing up the people around us didn't have the understanding or capacity to be lovingly listening to those feelings. So they saved us. And I think that's the thing to really shift around. This is amazing. It's an amazing thing that we're doing. It was amazing when we were little, they probably saved us from being shamed, being punished, being excluded, having a time out, you know, when we actually needed to have a really big cry. So mm. I think the more we can reframe these things is actually really helpful and really beneficial when we don't have other ways to deal with it, I think that can be really helpful. I agree totally. And I think um, even in that point, she was saying, how can I model healthy eating? And there was another comment here. I just want to say too, from another mom, uh, my mother unconsciously gave me lots of body insecurity from a childhood and lifetime of her focus on her own weight and dieting and negative comments about mine. How do I make sure to not repeat this hurt onto my child? You know, I think it is, it brings us, it brings an awareness to us of what are we modeling to our children. And that can be when you eat the broccoli, you're like, I love broccoli. It tastes so great. I also love chocolate. That also tastes so great. Like we don't want to make sweets wrong. We don't want to make it something that's, that's not okay. And I shouldn't have that because it's bad. How can we delight in it as something that is wonderful for us as well? But it is about the balance and it is about Hmm, standing there as an adult, you might go, hmm, what does my body feel like today? You know what? I feel like, I feel like a smoothie today. So I'm going to make one for myself. Like even modeling that tuning into your body. What do I feel like today? Or, you know what? Um, I, I feel like I really want something sweet. Maybe I have some berries and then maybe I might have some chocolate. Like it's not, none of it's bad. It's just, again the energy that we attach to it so I think it's really important when we're thinking about what we're modeling to our children do we talk about food in a positive way do we make it stuff sound wrong or we shouldn't have that or too much of this uh, and it's not even what we're saying it's also what we're thinking and then how our relationship is so I often find you know look body image is 
as a whole other podcast and it's huge and there we do have another question here about how do we shift and change that huge imprint from society <laughs> that's been around for a long long time around how we should look you know I think one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is learn to love our bodies is learn to be compassionate to ourselves. exactly what you just said before Marion about being compassionate I I might be eating this chocolate because I don't have the capacity at the moment to feel what I'm feeling and that is okay or how can I lean into some support or listening or that kind of stuff so I can feel into what is there I think we have to absolutely come back to being compassionate to ourselves for loving our bodies for the amazing job that they do for starting internally with that deep self-love and acceptance that's what our children feel I mean I I think I've shared this in one of the, our other podcasts I was so adamant for my girls growing up that I didn't want them to feel any shame around their bodies and I wanted them to feel fabulous and I was always telling them how magnificent their bodies were and how strong they were and how amazing and and you know again I didn't really have a charge around food but I remember the time where I took my daughter to to go and buy some, you know, athletic stuff that she needed to wear. And she's standing there and she's like nine and she's standing in front of the mirror and she's going, I don't like this part on my hips. I mean, she was nine. She's still little. And I remember just going, no, no. <laughs> I've worked so hard for you not to feel anything but joy about your body, right? And I remember almost slumping in the change room on the ground going, oh, my God, I failed or it's arrived this point. And I remember thinking, ah, oh, this is bigger than me, right? Like this is society that sends us messages constantly that says you're not okay the way you are. And it was a point where I had to just look at her and I said, oh, sweetie, the perhaps the journey of being in a female body and maybe in a male body, but being human is we're going to come up against these pieces that we don't think are okay. And it's okay to feel like that. And it's also okay to dive into all the pieces that go with that. And it was in that moment that I thought I cannot protect my children from this, but all I can do is keep loving myself and my own body and my relationship to it and let that be the essence that filters and washes over them. And sure enough, as they've become adults now, you know, they they share sometimes, I don't like this bit, but mostly their love for their bodies and their acceptance of it is far greater than what I ever felt when I was a teenager. So I think it comes back to, again, how do we model healthy eating? How do we model a good relationship to food? Well, we have to firstly start with, well, where did my, what was my story? What was I shown? Is there some healing that's needed around that? And how can I move into deep compassion with myself so that that is the energy that our children feel? There are so many elements aren't there as you're speaking and thinking, you know, there's the there's cultural conditioning, there's there's judgment and shaming, there's the fact that we live uh, you know, in a way that's actually kind of very abnormal in some way compared to what we would have done when we didn't have shops where we could get almost anything at any point of the year. So there's that whole thing in terms of um how we how we've evolved to be in relationship with food. There's the extent to which we uh, are able to still hear what our body needs and doesn't need. And when we're full and when we're hungry, then there's you know, how we were treated as a child, what we experience. I mean, there's so many different elements to food, which is the religion, the culture that we've grown up in. There are so many different factors, aren't they? So no wonder it's incredibly multifaceted and often complex. And I think it can be really helpful to notice, well, which one of these are we being invited to? attend to right at the moment is it um you know do we uh, judge ourselves around how we look or do we judge ourselves for what we eat do you know what are we doing are we listening to ourselves even when we feel thirsty and hungry do we actually listen to those signals and there's so many different elements aren't they that we can attend to so i think it's that really listening what what's what am i being invited to look at right now yes 100 and for me i guess my big thing is I just I wanted food to be not a thing so we don't really make it a thing we don't have a charge around it like if my kids when they're little like I'm not hungry I'd be like okay, okay you sure you've tuned into what your body needs and I would trust that my kids would kind of go actually this is what I feel like or you know and and I mean <laughs> I find my biggest challenge now with having adult you know people in my house 
he's constantly I'm like what do you want to eat for dinner I'm sick of thinking what to make I have like full uh like decision fatigue <laughs> food. I'm like why do you all have to keep eating and I mean what I've done definitely through lockdown is I'm like I'm so over all the food making everybody's cooking now so everybody takes in turns which is great and I don't have to do it but that's also been amazing because you realize as a parent I influence what my children have eaten eaten because usually it was like what I wanted to eat and so that's what I was doing and now it's really interesting having everybody else in my family cook you know what they're choosing to make and it's actually great I'm like I'll eat anything anybody else makes for me so that's great but I think it just got like again there's so many layers as you talk about Marion around the different elements that impact us and our feelings and our beliefs around food and you know, I just keep coming back to, I want them to have a healthy relationship to food. So what would that feel like? Or what would perhaps that look like? And what do I need to do for me to shift anything so that that is, you know, that that feels good for them? So yummy. I'm also thinking in terms of us as adults, our relationship with food can often be really related to receiving and presence. So I've noticed for myself, I've been really playing with, um, as I noticed when I, when I bring my shopping home, that I, I would tend to just do it. I wouldn't be so present as I was putting things away. And, and I realized that recently. And so I've made a really deliberate choice to, to actually become really present and just breathe and take my time so that I'm um, you know, preparing, like the cutting up the celery to put it in the jar, to put it in the fridge, all of those things to actually be really present. And I've really noticed that's related to the, to the inner work I've been doing around receiving. And actually really receiving the food that actually comes into my home, which is related to also receiving the food that comes into my body and um, all the other receivings. And I'm actually remembering, do you remember many years ago, Lau, when I used to come down to Melbourne and we ran that uh, workshop together? And one of the things was about receiving, wasn't it? And we were mm-hmm. asking people about their relationship with receiving. So that could be another um, exploration. It's like just really observing how do you feel? Like, how do you feel when you're, if you're cooking, are you, and again, I used to notice I would be, I would be half doing something else at the same time. And in, in this recent shift I've made, it's like, I'm really back again to be present with the food whilst I'm cooking it and really enjoying it. And so there's so much wonderfulness that we can do. And that, I suppose that's what I would offer is to me, one of the main things about aware parenting is about our quality of presence and mm. capacity to feel present in our bodies whilst we're doing something, whatever it is. And that, so that could be uh, uh, going out buying food, bringing food into the home, putting it away, cooking it, eating it. How much in all of those situations as adults are we actually feeling what we're feeling and how much are we um, more kind of in a bit of fight or flight or rushing or thinking or you know just doing something else and I think that in itself can bring quite a shift we're actually like ah oh, because that's how I see we would have been naturally in relationship with food when we were when we needed to go and find it or hunt it or grow it ourselves we would have been such a deep relationship wouldn't there it would have been such embodied experience of knowing uh this these were leaves are coming up so we've got some you know some carrots growing or I can see footprints here so I'm you know I know that the kangaroos over there or uh, ah it's you know it's the first full moon in September so the berries are going to be growing on the trees you know it's about an embodied relationship with with the earth with the land with our bodies and in this modern world it's very easy to be completely disconnected from all of that because you know especially we're just going to a shop and buying it so again also things like um going to the market i've been going to our local farmer's market so this is not for people in lockdown obviously although even in lockdown most you can go out and get food but going out and actually going to the farmer's market each week and actually buying it from the people who are growing the food and talking to them and seeing it when it's you know it's just been picked fresh that morning and i've got all these baskets that i'm carrying so i actually need to carry it all there's something about feeling that more that I've found really helpful in terms of you know more present and embodied relationship with food and for each of us we're going to have our own way of doing that so I'm wondering if any of these spark spark anything for anybody about how you would like to be in relationship with food it's such a beautiful point how present are we are when we're eating do we just kind of 
quickly shove the food in because we have to tend to kids or do we are we doing we looking at our emails or on our phone while we're eating or how it's such a beautiful point how present are we with what we're eating and drinking and putting into our bodies it's really it's really important like I am yeah mm, I want to say it was really reminding me I years ago in my 20s used to go on lots of retreats and do various things like that and I remember I'm sure you've been on them as well and I remember one it was a it was a retreat and we needed to do like eat in like you know with that quality of presence and I remember it's you know half an hour to eat you know 35 minutes and every moment of eating the food and um so again that could be a reframe you know if you're a parent of a young child who's maybe slow eating how would that be could that be an invitation to actually really slow down and also savor and notice you know particularly younger children who are exploring food and I know we're talking more about children next time but you know if they're exploring food and playing with it and wanting to feel it you know could we reclaim something for ourselves in actually doing that going back to how we would have been as younger beings when we were like what's this and this smells like that and gosh that's a bright color and wow those colors look nice together and oh this texture is like really crunchy and oh that's oh I don't like that I do like that so really refining again because to me again if we want the antidote to suppression, to control patterns, if we want to actually come alive with food, it really does mean, doesn't it, being present with it, to actually feel it, taste it, touch it, look at it. That's the way to, to actually become more present again. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's making me think there's this one dish I make and I use about 10 different vegetables. It's really colourful. Ten, that's amazing. And I always sit there and go, every time I serve it, I go, how magnificent does this look? Because there's so many colours and everyone's like, okay, mum. But I always say it every time and it's making me think it's maybe the child in me going, wow, you're eating a rainbow. <laughs> yeah, that's that's beautiful. What a beautiful reminder. There's a um, rainbow diet, isn't there? There's, I mean, there's, mm. and that's the thing. I think the other thing are a million different uh, approaches to food, and I think that's mm. part of it as well. Rather than thinking there's one size fits all, that depending on our uh, lineage, you know, like you with Mikey, you know, our historical lineage, our body type, that's so unique. The relationship with food is so unique for each person. That can mean in a family, it can be quite tricky. I know for me. With the, th the three of us, I cook most of the time different things for each of us still, you know, so it's like really trusting that each of us do have different things that we love and totally. Oh, we can definitely talk about that next week because, yeah, <laughs> like my middle daughter grew up for a while only wanting to eat white things. So <laughs> when parents come to me and go, my child will only eat this, I go, oh, yeah, I know. I know what that feels like. And I'm happy to say now she'll eat everything and she's got amazing, varied taste. But for a while there, it was just like, no. Nope just that anyway we'll dive into that next week uh this was a beautiful question which i thought um we could offer some insight into it says i'm hoping you'll include information on how to help myself or my child when older female family members talk about food negatively for example we had a big lunch so no dinner for us or you you won't need dinner now or at a birthday and oh no i should not eat the cake dessert I get so cranky because it's disordered eating talk, but I don't know what to do about it. Your wisdom would be appreciated. Thank you. That's such a great question. Do you want to respond to that, Marion? <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I'd love to respond to that. Number one, I find it always really helpful with, uh, especially what you say, older female family members is, is, is thinking, ah, this is probably what they experienced, internalized. They're just doing, you know, trying to do what we all do, which is pass down what we, you know, what we acquired. So I think finding a way of like seeing compassionately, that's what's going on for them. That's how they are in relationship with their body. And oh my gosh, how uncomfortable would that be? And can we be even a little bit compassionate with them, number one? And then again, I think it's like similarly to what you were saying is like really um, listen lovingly to whatever feelings show up. Maybe we need to go and express how frustrated we feel or how concerned we feel that this is going to be passed on to our child or children. So again, getting to express all our feelings so that we feel more centered in ourselves. So actually in the moment, we have more likelihood of saying, uh, you know, offering our own perspective from that really centered place. It's like, oh, you know, so what were these suggestions? Um, Oh, you know, oh, I'm, I know we had a big lunch, but I'm actually, I'm still hungry. So I'm so looking forward to my dinner or, um, uh, oh, so you, 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 
maybe even reflecting it back are you telling yourself you shouldn't have the cake but but do you love cakes you know auntie or mum or granny would you love some cake I so support you in having cake if you want cake you know so it's it can be even like offerings at a more compassionate lens you know so often you know each generation has often become more friendly but you know there's so much harshness and shooting and shaming around food you know each generation up so could we could we offer them a bit more love could we offer them a different possibility that mm. you could actually enjoy the cake <laughs> you can enjoy mm. the dinner you can enjoy having a snack before dinner you know all of those mm. rules that have been around that kind of passed down from the victorian era you know no 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 sit down and you have to do it like this. you know i don't know why i'm putting that accent on but you know we you know, to actually have fun with food and enjoy it and get rid of the shoulds and the have to's and the guilt and all that stuff our bodies are so wise and come back to that don't mean aware parenting our bodies and we're going to talk about this a lot next week they know what they need they know when they need it they know what foods they we need and what we don't i mean if we come back to that release that cultural conditioning and the childhood hurts the more we come back to that so can we offer that a little bit to the next generation yeah i love that there's such there's such beautiful wisdom there it's it's reminding me of that was not such a thing for me with food, but that was such a big thing around self-care, like, and my mother and then my grandmother and, and like the lineage of women I came from was you don't stop. You just keep going, going, going. And so then when I did want to stop or I did like, or, or their, you know, their thinking was, oh, I'll just have to, oh, I've got to do this now. I'll keep going. And, you know, the martyrdom that they would carry <laughs> of doing all the things and putting themselves last and, the massive shift I had to come to in myself to go, no, actually self-care is the greatest gift I can give myself. I love myself enough to have care. I love myself enough to say no or to set this limit or to, to look after myself. And it was really uncomfortable when I was first doing it because I just went into, oh, God, I'm lazy if I'm stopping or all the stories that have gone with it. But then when I started to claim it for myself, it, you know, whenever they would exactly say something, I'd almost giggle or laugh and I'd be like, oh, you know that you're worthy of sitting down. You're still enough. Do you know you're amazing? Even if you put your feet up, like it became beautiful, exactly what you said. It was compassionate and it was gorgeous and there was no charge in it for me because I was like, well, actually I have learned that looking after me is the greatest gift I can give my family. And, and then that's what my daughters then felt and watched in me. So it really reminds me as you talk about that, about food, about when we can shift and change that pattern in ourselves and look at it, who we've, where we've come from with deep compassion and understanding, then, um, then we're not likely to pass it on to our kids, you know, and it may be something that our children go, gosh, granny's really judgy around food, isn't she? And we can be like, yeah, she is. What do you reckon's gone on for her? that's made her feel like that you know children are smart and they get it and they watch and then as they get older they begin to see it and go oh yeah I can see that there's a story for them in that and I still love them but that's their story you know so that's such a beautiful example Marion of just that yeah just again compassion for where they've come from is really important and I'd actually love to add as well, and like if you look a little bit more deeply, and I've worked with many people, as I'm sure you have, is when we actually look into the, the lineage of the history. Like I know for my mum, she was born in 1931, so it was in the Depression. And, you know, the, the relationship with food then, of course, it was like, you know, scarcity and all of that kind of stuff. And how much that, uh, to use your word, imprints and still impacts people, you know, many, many, many decades later so I think as well and thinking about you know if you have an Irish heritage the the potato famine you know looking at it, you go far enough back in most lineages and at some point in time you know food there was a whole issue around survival and food and so again I think to really hold with deep compassion that some of this can be really deep work to actually uh, tend to these places in ourselves and you know that that might be underlying you know having a, a really strong desire to eat a lot can be really powerful um, the other thing I've really noticed in exploring with um, Mary Walker who we've uh, worked together is I suddenly realized that when I was eating oats I suddenly had this desire lots and lots of oats I really wanted to eat oats and I feel this gorgeous feeling in my body of like this um, wholeness and then I suddenly thought well so much of my ancestors are from Scotland and would have been eating a lot of, a lot of oats and so again it's like really 
this food can really deeply connect us not only as i was saying before about with our land with our bodies but with our lineage with actually what uh you know where we've come from in really profound ways so we can reclaim most of us have been so colonized that we you know we don't have relationships with those lineages but often our bodies will show us you know you may find that you that you want to eat goulash and then you realize that you're from eastern europe or you know whatever it is that's again it's really trusting what do I love? What do I feel called to eat? What do I, you know, what do I just hunger for? Literally. <laughs> mm, mm, that's beautiful. Such a beautiful way to look at it. Um, here's another interesting question, which I thought was, was good. Um, this person said, I gave up alcohol, but eating affects my ability to parent. If my sugar levels go lower, I'm craving something and don't satisfy the craving. I find my patience levels are affected and I have a lot of feelings to release, but I just don't feel like I always have the time and space to cry whenever I'm craving certain foods. How do we limit this control pattern while parenting? Mm. So again, I say, like as we've already said, like so much compassion um to really i'm just trying to get to it so i can read this question as well um so much compassion like um you know giving up alcohol which is often again a huge way to suppress feelings um i always find it really helpful to remember and i love how alita talks about this in aware parenting this is the same with children if we give up something that has been a control pattern but we don't attend to the feelings that that control pattern has been suppressing we're going to need to do something else to suppress those feelings because those feelings are going to be there and they're going to be bubbling up. So again, I think so much compassion. If you give up alcohol and you start chewing gum, for example, or biting your nails or getting really busy, again, so much compassion. If we didn't need to do these things, we wouldn't do them. Um, I wonder if there's some things, you know, I know some people talk about if you've got sugar cravings, because, you know, again, with these things, some of them are, some of it's hunger, some of it's um, control patterns, but some of it's also physiologically what sugar does to the body. I know for me, uh, it takes about two weeks if I give up sugar to then I just stop craving it. So often we can maybe eat, you know, depending on where you look at, you can eat protein to, to actually try and, so maybe finding some other way to suppress the feelings that actually doesn't then lead to um, the patient's levels being affected. So, okay, if you want to suppress feelings, yeah, could you could you scroll Instagram for five minutes instead of eating a whole load of sugar? Like again, like you said, it's using control patterns as as our helpers. The more we actually choose to use them when we don't have some other, you know, when we don't have capacity, when we don't have someone to talk with us, it can really help. Or you know what I find really helpful is Voxer. Voxer is like a messaging app. So if you have a friend, it's really great as a parent, particularly as a mum, if you're home a lot. And, you know, it's not going to be easy in, in any moment to phone up a friend and say, gosh, I'm feeling really stressed. I just want to eat a whole chocolate cake to actually have a setup on Messenger, WhatsApp, Voxer. And just to go in when you feel upset and just say, leave a message for your friend, because just knowing that they're going to listen is going to mean you get that sense of being heard. And that might be I just really want, I'm really stressed right now. I just really want to eat and eat and eat. Oh, I feel, oh, I'm actually already feeling that relief of knowing that you're being heard. So again, finding ways. Can you get your needs met to be listened? And if not, can you use a control pattern that's a little bit, that's going to have less deleterious effects than the, than the big sugar rush is going to have? Yeah, I think that's really important. I, I um, again, everybody's body is different, but I used to have really full-on sensitive blood sugar levels. So if I didn't eat every two and a half hours, I'd have massive crashes. And that's when my kids were really little. And what I realized was for me, well, firstly, I started doing some like fasting stuff so that it, it kind of rebalanced my blood sugar levels. But again, again, I'm not giving anybody advice on what you should do with the body. You've got to go find what's right for you. But I also realized that I was so in the, just put my kids' needs first and instead of actually, what do I need? Do I need to sit down and just have a cup of tea for a minute? Do I need to spend just a few more minutes making myself something wholesome or fulfilling that need? Then I, I wasn't looking for the quick fixes or looking for those places to check out as much because I was actually claiming ah, part of me that is that I need is then going to be able to look after you in the way that I want to. And so it was a lot that was tied a lot to me, to my 
having those boundaries for myself or having those, um, well, the self-care thing again, it came back to that. I was so in the sacrifice of just give, 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 and my needs were way down the bottom and then nobody's winning. So that, and that kind of played out a lot with my food or how I was feeling. So that was, um, you know, that was something for me that I really noticed too, that was tied into what would it look like to take care of myself really well and meet those needs because then it also helps my family. Mm. Mm, I love that, Lel. Do you know what comes for me? The question is, am I willing to be nourished? Am I willing ah. to be nourished? Because food and food being one of the ways as a mm. mother, if we if we are really again comes back to receiving, if we're willing to receive and willing to receive the nourishment of the food or the smoothie or the cup of tea. And even mm. if that's actually pausing for three breaths and actually mm. feeling the tea in our hands or actually feeling the warmth of the toast or the or the feeling the bowl with the warm um, mm. porridge and eating it even you know this doesn't need to be like three you know three quarters of an hour eating food because often we're not going to have that time as a as a parent or as a mother but even just slowing down for like three seconds can actually help us be more present so we can receive the nourishment which means as you say our needs are going to be more met we're going to be more have more capacity with our kids can be really simple things can make a huge difference can't they absolutely yeah absolutely sometimes just the mindset that shifting that can can bring about change Uh, so there was really just one more I think theme that came up in some of the questions which was just about shame about weight, about eating, about, um, you know, then feeling really worried about passing that on to their children. And so, I mean, we've talked to quite a few of those themes already today around, you know, just being aware of where where we're using food when we don't want to feel. But I, I just wanted to touch on a little moment that particularly as a child, if we did not have good imprints around eating and we ate to help ourselves feel better, and as you explained so beautifully, Marion, we were using it as a control pattern to keep ourselves okay, and then we created a story around our body that it's not okay or we got bullied or we got shamed for being overweight or what, or, or underweight or whatever it looked like, however it was playing out. Um, you know, I think he's such a another beautiful invitation into deep compassion for our stories. And I know that a few people wrote saying, I'm really scared that I'm going to pass it on to my children again, or I'm watching my children do the same thing. So again, we come back to, can you meet that part of yourself gently and compassionately? Perhaps it is working it through with somebody else to talk to about it, whether that's a therapist or a parenting instructor, somebody who can hold that space for you to, potentially go back to the child in you that was doing that to to stay safe and what compassion and love and gentleness did they need back then that can fulfill that need to keep carrying that story forward and that you know that can be a big story for some people in their life particularly around food and around the shame of their body and and then as we've talked about, then you add in society's take on it and then you add in social media and then you add in just all the not enoughness, right? The beauty industry, the whole thing, just mm. it's huge. It's really, really huge. So, you know, I know that so for so many parents, they come from a place of I don't want my child to feel how I felt. I don't want them to carry the same pain and the same stories that I have and how can I change that? And so as always, we go, let's, we'll start with you, you know, and start with the gentleness and compassion and, and going in and seeing what stories are there and what they need in order to start the path of healing so that we do shift that story for our kids because it's possible, you know, and, and as we've said many times, yeah, many times on our podcast, it takes great courage to change a story in our lineage when we've had it passed down from generation to generation, it takes a lot of courage to go actually know whether that is around eating and our relationship to food, whether it is around shame, whether it is around yelling and hitting, whether it's around whatever, you know, to be the one to say, actually, I'm going to change this takes a lot of courage. And, you know, I think that's where, where parenting gives us an amazing foundation to work from to start changing these generational patterns so that our children do not have to carry that story forward. There's so much courage in putting your hand up to say, I'm going to do this work so my children are free to be who they need to be. 
Can I say I'm hungry now? <laughs> what would you like to eat, Leo? <laughs> I'm not really. I'm just thinking, really. <laughs> but I will have to make dinner soon. Um, all right. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Marion, around food and feelings for adults? Yeah, I just want to second what you said. Oh, I can hear the thunder, like massive thunder. It's such a yeah. powerful topic. And I, I, I just I want to second what you said, number one, which is just committing. The more we can meet all of this with compassion, whatever it is, whether it's the shame, the guilt, which you know I'm passionate about, shifting cultural conditioning, because we absolutely can get free from that, which is the other thing I wanted to say. We can change massively, like, you know, both you and I have seen massive change in our lifetime. It's, it, it can change these things. You really can. Um, but just meeting ourselves with compassion and um, one really yummy thing, I that one little idea is that if you do have a, a particular food as a control pattern, it can be really helpful to actually ask someone to lovingly be with you whilst you have that thing. So I remember many years ago with a client once, a mentee in a session that they brought their favorite, um, I won't say what it was, I'll change it to something else, their favorite broccoli <laughs> and they just ate broccoli in the session I just loved them and shared how much you're really loving that broccoli so again when we meet any of these places any of these behaviors and of these experiences with love and compassion that is the, the most helpful place for them to transform the more we judge the more we shame the more we restrict the more likely things are going to get locked in because all the younger parts of us go, oh, uh, no, I need to cling on harder. So anyway, you can meet yourself with more love. You can be around people who meet you with love and compassion. The more likely all of these things are going to shift more easily and more quickly. Mm, that's so beautiful. Yes, yes to all of that. Um, was that part of your offering or is there anything else that you oh, want to say? No, no, what was I going to offer? Um, yes, so is there something showing up for you that you'd like to meet with some love right in this moment? Yep. And my offering would be, is there something that you can eat that you love and that, that feels wonderful and can you do it just full of love and joy eating it and just relishing in the, the beauty of it? Can you give yourself permission to do that? and just go, yes, this feels amazing. I'm wanting to have pleasure through this food and that is awesome and there is nothing wrong with that and I'm going to just celebrate that. So I wonder if there's something that you can do. Hmm. Food mm, and pleasure. Yum. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, because yeah. that, I mean, we haven't really touched on that, but that's the other flip side of it. We, we have so much shame around it and too much and I shouldn't have and all this stuff, but what if we flipped it to being like actually it can be just such a wonderful source of pleasure and you deserve pleasure and you should celebrate in that and and eating with pleasure and just like this is amazing think of the energy that goes with that you know is so different to the we should only have this much so you know and that look pleasure is a whole other topic of do we allow pleasure into our life do we believe that we yes. you know we're worthy of pleasure i mean that's a whole other podcast we could do uh but again that food could be such a beautiful source of pleasure and can you just allow you do you allow yourself to have that because you deserve it because you just you know you are a human being and we're designed to have pleasure so can we can you just relish in that Hmm. I would love to share one. I know we're on the tail end of this, but that, that's so synchronous because that's what I realized with my local loves that I was having every day, the chocolates. It's like I get so much pleasure from these and I would love to have that quality of pleasure with other things. And that's hmm. what's happened. So when I'm now having my porridge with the bananas and the blueberries I eat and I'm like, oh my God, this is so gorgeous. Or my big plate of green veggies. I feel the same quality of pleasure and it's just been so amazing so again it's really possible to shift these things and there's a big lightning there we we really can change our relationship with food and feelings and pleasure and receiving and nourishment all of this that oh my was God, the to biggest that thunder. thunder i've ever had <laughs> The power, and, and can you imagine, even just for mothers, can you imagine if we lived in a world where mothers just did that? I mean, to me, this is part of the cultural unconditioning, like 
because half of most of the advertising wouldn't work anymore, would it? Because they'd be like, nah, I just love nourishing myself and I have so much pleasure with the food I eat. And yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't need any of your advertising. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work on me. Yeah, beautiful. Oof, good juicy topic. All right, well, part two, which we will aim to get to next week, it's going to be really around children and food and feelings. And we've got a whole lot of questions there that we're going to delve into as well. So, so we hope that this has been beneficial or it's, it's allowed you to kind of lean into a little bit around your own story with food and how that feels and what you might want to shift or change or what might need some more compassion in your life. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks always for sharing and um, you know, your beautiful comments and questions and you know we really we really value everybody listening and and sharing this work it's amazing so thanks for being here everyone we look forward to seeing you next time thank you so much and so much love to you thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast you can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.